Hello. It is my pleasure uh, to come to you on this Monday with my podcast. And I want to share a very interesting and very very interesting topic that I had the pleasure to be a part of this weekend, which was a part of my church, Cascade Methodist Church, and also Peace Street Road United Methodist Church. And we got together to to reconcile some issues that white and black people have. Maybe not with each other, but probably with each other. And I want everybody to understand that these conversations are good that we're having. This Saturday, we had a conversation at Peace Street Road United Methodist Church. And let me set the stage for you. We all gathered from both churches at Peace Street Road Methodist United Methodist Church. Peace Street Road Methodist Church is the black, is the white side, is the white church. And Cascade Methodist Church is the black church. One on two different sides of the city. One on Peace Street Road, Northeast, Buckhead, the other one in Southwest Atlanta, Cascade. And we met at the campus of Grace Hall. It was a delightful meeting of gathering of people that wanted to have this conversation. At least they signed up for it. And I was uh, elated to be there. The seven actual facts that provide white privilege exist in America. And one of the leading topics were white privilege. White privilege is a concept that far too many people misunderstand. These are the same people who argue that white privilege is made up, that people of color and others who work to point out entrenched social injustice are just complainers. This is not true, as we know. But we are coming to getting together these meetings to have this conversation. People of color are unfairly discriminated against. True. The argument goes that they are just unwilling to work hard to get ahead, or maybe they're in a city mentally, quote, Congressman Paul Ryan. Okay, let's talk about that particular argument that 
people of color are unfairly discriminated against, the argument goes, they are just unwilling to work hard and to get ahead. Or maybe they, their inner city mentality to quote Congressman Paul Ryan. Paul Ryan of Kentucky. You shouldn't be surprised with that. But let me give you some statistics here. Unemployment for blacks and Hispanics workers remain high relatively to white workers. In the third quarter of 2017, African-American workers have the highest unemployment rate nationally at 7.5%, following Hispanics at 4.9%, Asians at 3.7%, and whites at 3.5%. But there's no discrimination. This is what they're saying. What are we, why are we still trying to debate that there's that there is white privilege, that there's not white privilege, when the facts show that it's true. The economic policy of institutions, this is their data. These are white people, mainly white people, putting this data together. So, yes, check one. Another statistic, while African-Americans unemployment rate is at a below the pre-recession level in 16 states, of 22 states, the District of Columbia, one including, for which this data is are available in 16 states in the District of Columbia, African-American unemployment rate exceeds white unemployment rates by two to one or higher. Let's go back to the issue. People of color are unfairly discriminated against. The argument goes, they are just unwilling to work hard or to get ahead. Let's go back. Let's go back to another data point. African-American college graduate rates all-time high because economic outcome lags. This is saying that despite record number highs in African-American graduating from college, they still can't get a job because white privilege has sat in that seat. Even if they have not graduated from college, white privilege still sits in that seat. These are, these are published facts. Again, we are not talking about something that the African-American community is writing. We're talking about what white America is putting out there. We have to understand that some 50 years later, despite milestones, including the election 
of a first African-American president. The economic landscape has barely changed for black Americans. A new report released this week by the Economic Policy Institute, liberal nonprofit Washington, D.C. think tank, found in almost all areas it is about the same. In other areas, they're actually lost ground. Uh, and now let's let's go back to that. African Americans graduating from college, all time high. But despite having an African American president, we have lost ground. All time high, but we have lost ground because of white privilege. This is. Look them up. The rates are still the same. 7.5% of unemployment rate among African Americans in 2007. More than twice the rate while unemployment of 0.8% point higher than it was in 1968. In other words, since 1968, the unemployment rate is still double what it is for whites. These are the conversations that we're having at, at this gathering. Gathering about white privilege. Why is it? Why do we have a scandal among five of the elite schools in this country where whites have paid for their children to attend these schools under the table. Forge records, forge academic standards, forge sports standards. Some kids have not even played a sport and they fix it where they were outstanding in rowing or, or swimming or stuff like that. Let's see what the FBI, let's see who's go to jail. Let's see who's getting millions and millions and millions of dollars. Because it's a jail sentence. Either you did it or you didn't do it. White privilege. This is the conversation that we are, that we, that we're having. I don't think we've gotten deep enough because we only been meeting for two, this is the, this weekend will be the third week in this meeting. But I, 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 I guarantee you that we will get to the root of it. And this is good because we're having this conversation where other people are scared to have this conversation. And I'm going to tell you, it took a young pastor, Pastor Dr. Kevin Murrell, from our new young pastor at Cascade, he's been there a couple of years now, to do this. To do this, to bring this to the forefront. Because we must have this conversation. We cannot be invisible anymore to this issue. Yes, it's wrong. 
It's been wrong for decades. It's been wrong for centuries. But what do we do? What do we do about it? How do we change this narrative? African-Americans, again, graduating at the highest rate of all time. But the economics, in order for them to pay for their apartment, have a car, get back and forth to work, just get a job. A young black kid graduating out of college should not be working at McDonald's. Should not, unless he's in corporate, unless he's in corporate McDonald's. I'm sorry. He shouldn't, he or she shouldn't be tossing hamburgers. They should be writing the marketing plan, doing the business analysis, working, working the social and the HR in HR issues, public, public relations, management. They should not be flipping burgers. Number one, they got the payback. These school loans, you can't pay it back if you are flipping burgers. Lawyers and doctors have enough time paying that money back, let alone if you graduate from college and you have to flip burgers. You can't pay rent. You can't buy a car. You can't, you, you can't, you can't live. You have to apply for an EBT card. That's why they say, but economics outcome lags behind. You know, when we talk about 50 years of this invisible, this visible issue of black wealth among even even our adults, black wealth, understanding that, you know, your parents said, if you did this, did this, did this, you're all right. Doesn't work like that, that way. Mark Zuckerberg quit Harvard, founder of Facebook. I forgot his name, but the, the old CEO of FedEx, he quit school, period. Started FedEx. There's so many of these stories, but you cannot find stories of a young black man that just said, forget it, forget school. I'm going to run this business. Did he get a break with the banks? Did he get a break mentorship? Did SBA help him? We have to look and, and, and allow our eyes to be wide open. We have to look, we have to read stories that are, that deal with how we are preparing our black boys and now black girls for prison. 
you know, there's all types of articles out there. I've written some myself. I've, I've posted some from other authors. But when you talk about the, the difference of preparing our black kids for prison, we see this. In another, in another survey, they show an immediate report. Michael Kern, an attorney representative for Miss Smith, says the youngest was among six and seven-year-olds that were handcuffed by guards for allegedly talking in class. So if you're going to get handcuffed, if you six and seven years old and you being handcuffed in school, for talking in class, what what do we what, what kind of message will we send to that child? You you ain't worthy. I I, I asked everybody to go to this article written by Stala Mohammed, staff writer. This is an old article, but I think you should look at it. Um, September fifteenth, two thousand eleven. It's titled. Are schools preparing black boys for prison? And it should also add black girls as well, but mainly black boys. You know, one of the other issues that we that we that we tackle with is poverty. Now, there is a correlation between poverty and white poverty and black poverty. You know, you're more unlikely to get all that you need with EPT cards, welfare, social help and stuff. If you white, then you black. And maybe perhaps, you, you know, you might not know enough to get the type of help that you need. But still, Georgia has still ranked third highest poverty rate among states. Now, this is a this this. This what I'm reading from Associated Press, place where I'm very familiar with. We talk about Florida, Louisiana, Mississippi, Nevada, New Mexico, South Carolina, and Texas had highest rate of unsecured residents. That means people that are impoverished. You know, the national, national, it ranks, you know, we talk about poor people. 46.2 million poor people. One in every six Americans, the number without health insurance, has reached 49.9 million, the most in over two decades. Now that has risen simply because Obamacare is off the table now. And we all know what that was all about. The healthcare industry, they 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 were they were complicit in the actions that a lot of healthcare healthcare providers took. As long as Obama was in president and they was get and they were getting paid from Obama, his administration dealing with healthcare and when he left, and President Trump said we going and the Republicans say we going we going we going to scrap that job, scrap that. What happened? 
Who scrapped it? Who scrapped it? Republicans, white privilege. But then let's look at those whites that will not get that health insurance. But they don't really care about them. It's all about their pockets. The health insurance industry decided that oh, Obama's gone. We, you know, we ain't paying no more subsidies. We're not going to do this. These are the conversations that we're going to start having at this reconciliation meeting. I'm so happy that Dr. Muriel, we call him Pastor K. has changed the narrative at Cascade Methodist Church. I'm so happy that his voice is strong. He's a young man. I love young people. They're not afraid to jump in the fire because they know God is protecting them. So I wanted everybody to know that I'm going to be doing a series, the, the, the rest of the series, about six series on this particular program that I've been attending. And I'm excited. I'm excited about the outcome. I'm excited about the resolve. And maybe we can change some of these narratives. Hunger. African-American kids attending or graduating from school and getting jobs, the unemployment narrative. Are we are schools preparing our black boys for for jail? Black girls too. The, in Georgia, among I'm just not gonna single out Georgia. There's a I mentioned these other states too. Starving children, Republican governors. And the new census report might be even uglier because of our immigration policies. So I'm going to leave it at that. I want everybody to join in on this discussion. And let's change these narratives. Maybe not for me. No, no, for me. My grandchildren. My nieces and nephews, my great nieces and nephews, let's change this narrative and let's be better. God bless to you all. And I'll see you on Wednesday.